What's up, everybody? You're listening to the What You Sipping On podcast, powered by B3 Business Bonding and Beer, produced by Brian Holloway with Black Fox Media. And it is our mission to help connect you with business leaders in our area. We do that in a couple different ways. One is through the What You Sipping On podcast, where we bring local business leaders to you. The other is through our local B3 social events, where we give the opportunity to connect with other business leaders and build relationships with them at our uh, monthly events. I am Eric Thornton, EXP Realty, local realtor here in the Nashville area. I'm joined by my friend Dennis Tolpa, mortgage relationship banker with Studio Bank here in Nashville, and my good friend William Stiles, insurance agent with Country Financial, also in the Nashville area. So if you are looking to buy or sell a home, finance or refinance that home, insure that home, or insure a lot of other things, we're not a package deal, but uh, we like to think between the three of us, there might be something we can do to help you out. So if you happen to be in the market for any of those services, we would love the opportunity to help you. And we hope that you will find us and connect with us on social media, all the different channels. Uh, give us a like, leave us a comment, share with somebody who might enjoy our content. And uh, importantly, uh, we'd like to ask you to subscribe. We'd love to stay in, in contact with you going forward so you can stay in touch with everything we're doing. And we are joined today on the podcast by our friend John Michael Morgan. John, thanks for joining us today, Thank man. Thank you guys for having me. All right, man. We kick this. We always kick this thing off. We got to know uh, what you're sipping on there in the cup. This is a Americano hot with nothing else in it. Plain Jane. The way Jesus meant for it to be drunk. <laughs> no, no cream, no sugar, nothing fancy, just a black Americano. So Sweet why, nectar, man. What is that? Why is that? I grew up drinking coffee. I had two aunts that always made me drink coffee. Like that was their thing. And it was always cream and sugar. And then I started traveling a lot as an adult, and I never could get it the same way every time. And I realized that travel would be a lot easier if I just had a plain black coffee. Regular coffee. Yeah. And then the Americano, the way that's brewed, makes it slightly better, more consistent. So it's purely functional, just a lot easier this way. And probably helps keep you awake in days like today when you get an early morning flight to get back to be on a world famous I, podcast. I absolutely, and I drink way too many of these. Like I'm immune to it at this point, so it's night and day. Just I mean, always, <laughs> body yeah. just needs it. Don't even know why. Just, yeah, just keep it coming. That's exactly right. Well, man, like I said, we're pumped that you join us today. And uh, just reading through your bio, I'm not going to to read it to everybody, but we would love to hear, man, just straight from you. Kick us off with um, what it is you do, how you're helping clients. Um, and if you don't toot your own horn, I'm going to do it real quick. I mean, Google, <laughs> Disney, Starbucks, I mean, you, you help some heavy hitters and, uh, we're looking forward to learning a little bit more about that in the podcast today, but just tell everybody what it is, uh, in your own words that you do. Sure. Thank you so much. I, uh, I'm a consultant or coach or whatever someone might want to call it. And I've done that 15 years now and it's big companies like you mentioned, and then even solo entrepreneurs. And basically, I mean, the way to really describe it is I help people get and keep momentum. And that may be with their marketing or their branding. It may be their mindset. It may be their habits, stopping self-sabotage. It's less coaching and probably more mentorship. And uh, that's, yeah, like I said, I've done it 15 years now. So that includes, you know, consulting, public speaking, you know, all the, all the things, writing books, all that. So you're in like a team atmosphere? Sorry, are you consulting teams or more upper management to help them with their teams? You, yeah, usually I'm talking to the, the person in charge, the owner, the CEO, you know, I mean, I'll help teams for sure, but it's usually, you know, the leader of the whole company is who I'm working with. 
Okay, that's awesome. So now we're going to rewind way back. How did you get into this business? Because I feel like a lot of people find themselves in consulting in different ways. They, they definitely do. Um, so I was in real estate, which an industry you guys are obviously familiar with. And uh, that wasn't like a calling or anything I was very excited about. In real estate, I fell in love with marketing and branding and uh, really just implementing and helping any business, not just my own. And so what ended up happening is I sold a home to a Starbucks executive and in that conversation told him some things that Starbucks should do differently. And then a couple months later, he called me and said, hey, would you like to come tell my boss that stuff? But what did you tell Starbucks what they should be doing differently? So the f biggest thing was uh, when you're in line at a Starbucks, all of the merchandise that they wanted you to go and buy is too many feet away. So you'd have to step out of line to go get the tumbler, the mugs or whatever. And it's like, we're already in a hurry. We've already been in line. We don't want to uh, you know, get out of line just to get the thing. So I told him you need to start putting the racks out in the middle which now as a customer, I hate because I got to walk around those things and I'm mad at myself for, you know, suggesting this, but it was basically, they wanted to increase their point of sale. They wanted to sell more retail products. The best way to do that was it had to be within arm's reach because people aren't going to get out of line to go get it. Well, if that pisses any of you guys off, you know who to blame. <laughs> no, who to blame yeah, finger at. yeah. I'm yeah. not happy about it, but yeah. it, uh, <laughs> and then heck, Starbucks does it. So now every store that does that probably took some cues from Starbucks. I mean, so really we can blame you for all those mazes to get to the checkout. I mean, that would be a stretch. I'd like to give myself credit for all of that, but yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it was just one of a few things. Starbucks is great because, um, their CEO, Howard Bihar, who, uh, he's no, he's retired now, but Howard Bihar took that company from 10 stores to 15,000 in like eight different countries and everything. And he was so focused on leadership and caring about the people, caring about the employees and the customers and everything. And, you know, watching him lead taught me a lot of like, oh, the marketing is important, but if you take care of people, that's kind of the best marketing. So once we talked to them about retail stuff and, you know, how to increase those sales, it quickly shifted to how do we just make it more and more about the people and less about the coffee was basically the idea. So you met Starbucks, but let's go back to your real estate career because it you're, I think you're being modest in your book. You talked about how you grew your real estate career to 30 plus sales reps. But at the beginning, you were not a good. No, no, I was. First of all, agent. to be clear, I was never a good real estate agent ever. <laughs> I was really good at getting the phone to ring. Right. Which is why I would often win. So what happened my first year in the real estate business, I sold two homes. One was the one my wife and I bought because we were getting married, but I got to count it because it sounds better than one. Uh, so I didn't know what I was doing. I struggled a lot. That was when uh, my wife had told me, hey, you spent a lot of time reading marketing books. Why don't you do that? Why don't you try that stuff in real estate? And I was like, oh, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And it started to work. So we started generating leads. And the more the business grew, the more I realized uh, I don't feel called to do this. I don't feel like that's really like what God kind of designed me to do. And I didn't really like working with people in that capacity. So I realized that I had no problem generating leads, but every other agent in town was struggling to generate leads. So uh, at the time, and Eric, I don't know if this is still the case, but the National Association of Realtors said, average agent sells like five homes a year. And to do that, they're probably generating like 20 to 25 leads a year. We were generating 500 a month. 
So I basically realized, hey, I'll just give these leads to other agents, let them sell it, we'll split it. They get all the credit, all the recognition. I don't care about any of that. Uh, and it just became a system then. Of, 500 leads a month. Yeah, 500 new leads a month. Pretty good. That's okay. It's <laughs> about what you're doing today, <laughs> Eric. Pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not Eric Thornton status. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, yeah. no, yeah. come on, man. One no, could that, only hope. Seriously, that's respectable, <laughs> and that's 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 quite an accomplishment. That's really cool. So what year is this? Is social media coming into play when you're doing this? So this was from 2002 to 2008. So social media was getting popular, but I wasn't using social media in real estate at all. In fact, uh, one of the things that I realized was that most agents were just like on Facebook and MySpace promoting their open houses and it made me cringe. Like that's not how to use this tool. Like that's not what social media is gonna be about. And it made me not wanna be in the industry anymore. I was like, I don't, like that's not the way to do it. So I ended up selling off that portion of my business, the lead gen, the models, the ads, all of that in 2008 before the crash looks like I was a genius total god thing it was just you know like I had no idea I didn't we knew that it was getting harder to sell homes but again I wasn't actually selling homes so it didn't matter to me you know what I mean like the, the other agents were complaining but it, that was the other thing it wasn't a problem that I wanted to fix and I was like all right maybe god's telling me I need to go do do something else yeah you're just you've discovered at this point your affinity for marketing your skill set I, you got to tell the story about, I mean, we got to get back to the Starbucks thing though, about, I mean, he, he was sharing this with us beforehand, uh, before we started today and yeah. just, w walk us through, man, like how you landed <laughs> the Starbucks gig. Cause they were client number one, like from, right. when you yeah. shifted gears into the, the marketing business. Yeah, right? you're exactly right. And it wasn't me thinking they could be a client. So uh, the guy I had sold his home in real estate, he contacts me down the road. He says, can you come share all that with my boss? We'll fly you in. So I just looked at it as a free trip to go, you know, do it. I wasn't thinking that this is a career or a job interview or any of that. So I showed up. I'm in a polo. I'm in shorts. You know, I, I was and all of a sudden it's me and 11 other professional consultants in nice suits and, you know, very corporate kind of environment. And I tried to tell them that it was a mistake and that I needed, you know, to not be there. But they were like, no, 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 we want to hear what you have to say. And I was like, okay. So uh, we sit in the conference room. And again, this was just kind of a God thing. But uh, they start with the guy next to me and go around this way. So I'm going to be last. And I was like, all right, this is perfect because I don't know what to say. And no one, by the time they get to me, will remember what the third guy said so I'm going to steal what he said. I'm just going to repeat it. And he'll be mad at me, but I will save face and it will be fine. And as we were going along, all of the advice and strategies that they shared, it was corporate. It was clearly like marketing business school. It was all the same. It felt like none of them had even had a coffee before. It was like, do you even go to Starbucks? Do you know who the customer is, it just, it felt disconnected. And when it got to me, I said, listen, I'm not gonna be the right fit for whatever this is, but also this stuff isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna help. This isn't why people buy. You have to know the psychology behind it. And we can talk about how I knew the psychology behind it if you want, but like they had to know the psychology behind it. So basically uh, I tell everybody why the, their strategies won't work. The executives leave the room, 
I'm now waiting to be murdered by everyone at this table who's <laughs> just no one's talking. They're just staring at me, you know, the entire time. <laughs> the thief. And I'm yeah, I'm texting my wife and I'm like, you know, start the rental car, honey. Like, <laughs> you know, because once I'm out of here, like we got to go. Um, the executives came back in and there was another guy there named Tom and they said, uh, Tom, John Michael, we want you guys to stay. Everyone else can step out. And I thought we were the first to get cut, but the other guys made it to some other round. Like th this was the reality TV era. So in my mind, I'm comparing all this to Survivor. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, right yeah. My torch is getting snuffed. Everyone else, you know, gets to go on. Which I still watch Survivor, by the way. I don't still, know if you okay, do. Yeah, yeah. There you still go. a big fan. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I had no idea it was even still on. That's awesome. Uh, so I was like, okay, you know, we'll get eliminated. And they basically said, we love what both of you brought to the table. Would you guys be willing to do this together? I had never met Tom. He had never met me. We didn't even make eye contact. We both said yes at the same time. We were like, sure. And so uh, that was it. It was like, all right, we got it. So I got to hear the psychology behind it now, because I feel like that's that's part of the deal when you're going in there as a consumer, not as the guy at a business school. So you're like, hey, what does what would make so, this better? It, yeah. So it's a great question. When I was a teenager, uh, I went through a massive amount of depression, like suicidal thoughts and everything was dark, went from straight A's to failing everything. I mean, it was a bad time. And I was trying to figure out how to help myself out of it. And I remember in high school, uh, my marketing teacher, we had a, had a marketing class, and he said that marketing was psychology. And what I heard was, psychology will fix my depression, and if marketing's the same thing, I should study more marketing. So I started reading marketing books as a teenager, thinking I'm curing depression, not realizing that I'm actually studying, like, why do we buy? Why do we do things? What's our personal identity and how much does that influence what we buy and what we don't? So that was the thing of like someone say that you know buys Starbucks regularly, they're not buying the coffee, they're buying an identity. There's some story about themselves that they're telling that now is why they have to have Starbucks. Or the person who needs you know the fancy, we got these beans from a jungle you know in Ethiopia that hope you have jungles. I don't even know. I'm making all this up. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Where they, uh, you know, were shot at by, you know, arrows and everything to get the coffee. And then they brewed it eight times. It's like the only dude that drinks that is because that's an identity. He thinks he's better than the people drinking Starbucks. So all these decisions are about what's the story an individual is telling. I learned all that trying to heal myself, not realizing that it would become a career down the road. Wow, so that that is a lot to unpack right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot. We so should have we should have had alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I mean, who decided on coffee? Bartender, <laughs> first thought. So that's a lot to unpack. So let's go back a little bit on that. So this was right after your real estate thing. You go to the Starbucks and you basically throw this out to them about psychology and why people buy Starbucks. While all these other, you know, talking heads were giving them this high level, you know, crap. And uh, and then they chose you based on that. Where did that go to? I mean, where did you take that? I mean, I worked with them for a couple of years, and I leveraged that into other clients as well. Um, but I also, I loved, so during that same time, I ran an ad uh, in the Tennessean, full-page newspaper ad, cost a ridiculous amount of money. And the headline in the middle of the ad said, what a standing ovation looks like on paper. And it was nothing but my real estate testimonials. And no one called me to sell their home. But four businesses called me and wanted me 
to write their ads, to consult for them. And so when I was doing that while I had Starbucks, it was like, maybe I'm onto something here. Like this is, this is fun. And through the real estate revenue and Starbucks revenue, I then was consulting and coaching people for free because I just loved it. I'd be on the phone all afternoon, just sitting outside of my deck, just coaching people for free. And then my wife, who's a lot smarter than me one day said, why don't you charge people for all this? And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. Brilliant. Oh, and uh, before too long, that revenue was higher than the real estate company. And I, that's when it was like, okay, well, it's also more fun. It felt more like what God was leading me to do. And, and so I stepped in. But it was, that. Your, it was your depression and yeah, what you went greatest, through yeah. that made you The darkest time into- of my life was the greatest gift I ever had. Like I would do it all over again. Because there's no way that I'm See, there's, on there's this something journey. about that and passion, word passion. Because you're, you're reading your book, you were very passionate about branding, but you had to go through that that passion of Christ moment, right? That struggle to really find out your identity and what branding and marketing was. So that's exactly right. Like so, coming out of depression in high school, which is already you know hard enough, then uh, I become a young adult. My wife and I met in high school, so we're gonna get married. I only got into real estate because I thought it would make my parents happy. I thought, you know, people would say, okay, that's a, that's a good profession. Go work hard. Go do that. Um, none of it was me. None of it was my identity, right? So this whole idea of a brand became exciting because the depression wrecked me. And when I got over it, I still didn't have self-esteem or confidence or strong self-worth. I didn't know simple things like, what's my favorite color? where do I even stand politically or any of that? Like there was no shape of even who I am. So I had to build that all basically from scratch. But in that process, I realized like I'm almost creating this brand, you know, as well, right? Like it's me, but I'm doing this for my own life, you know, for self worth and everything, self love. And I realized then going back to what we're talking about, everybody in business, if they thought of a brand, it was this corporate stuff and it's like that's not what people that's not what people buy that's not why they do business you know and so I realized really quickly that 99% of corporate branding is horrible and then I realized and this was what excited me the small business owner they look at Disney and they look at Google and they think how do I do that and they're asking themselves completely different questions than the big companies are like Google and Disney and these companies they're saying how do we sell more trust? We don't care about selling products. We just want more people to trust us. And the small business owner is like, well, how do I make money today? Like, well, you're asking yourself a bad question. Because if you just go out and establish trust, all the money in the world will come your way. There it is. Show's over. Right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for Wrap having me. Yeah. Wrap it up. Can we drop these mics? Yeah. No, but I love that. And, and I, I don't want to harp on this, but I think even, well, through time, but maybe more so now, people do fight depression, right? And we're, mm. when they're in that moment, it's a moment where they feel like they may never come out of it. So I have two questions for you. One is like, what did you do to get through that, right, during that time? And, and two, do you still battle that to this day, or is that completely behind you? Every single day. Every day. Yeah. I mean, I have two settings. I either feel and know that I'm the best in the world at what I do, or I want to sit in the corner and cry, and I don't get why anyone listens to anything <laughs> that I have to say. There's really no in between. It's one or the other. Um, what I have learned are what are my triggers that make me start to feel depressed and, you know, get that sort of going. Um, 
that way I can watch for them. I can kind of head that off a little bit. Uh, another thing I think is super important for every entrepreneur, but every person, you really have to check your environment. Who do you have in your inner circle? That's super important. You know, and it's that to me goes a lot of ways. You know, there's certain types of people I want in my inner circle, but I also want the people in my inner circle to know me really well. So they know when I'm off, they know to check on me. You, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. And that, I don't know. I think it's that I meditate every single day. Um, I just try to stay ahead of what it. What does that I look guess. like? What's your meditation look like? Because that's something that I struggle yeah, I do, well, but I love I love it when I'm able to get in that routine. I think a lot of people struggle with it because they think, you know, do I have to be crisscross applesauce, you know, palms up, you know, <laughs> chanting and all of what that. What do I do with my hands? It, right, yeah. Yeah, and, and down I, Ricky Bobby. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of that. Um, what does it look like? Uh, they're afraid, oh, it'll, you know, I'll be distracted, I'll fall asleep or whatever. All those things are okay. Like, it, it, all that is fine. It's basically, though, just sitting there. Uh, for me, I use guided meditation. There's a lot of great apps out there. Um, so I'll use those. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. But for me, it's really just I'm going to get completely still. And this monkey mind that I have that's constantly thinking about everything, let me get it very calm. And honestly, like, let's say I do an hour. The first 40 minutes is nonsense. My mind is everywhere. There's nothing insightful or enlightening about it at all <laughs> because it takes sometimes that long to just quiet it down um the dalai lama one time said that prayer is talking to god meditation is listening to him and that's the mindset that i personally go in like everybody can believe their own thing but that's me a lot of times i'm just going into it going all right god like what am i supposed to be hearing doing paying attention to because if it's just me deciding i'm going to screw it up so with the at the me what i'm hearing a lot of is there's an immense amount of structure that you rely on to keep your mindset right yes. i mean that i can only imagine how important that is because i know you still got some corporate clients but you're looking to people you're people are looking at you to help keep their mindset right so i mean you can't have too many of these days where you want to cry in the corner right and keep doing what you're doing right i mean yeah you're exactly right i think that's kind of a hidden key to my success is that i've got so many people depending on me I can't mess it up. <laughs> so, you know, I'm one of those people that I might not do it for me, but I'll do it for them, Yeah, you, you know, kind of a thing. But to your point, the other thing is, you know, I pour everything into my clients. At the end of a week, there's an emotional exhaustion there because I don't know how to coach someone and not put a piece of me, you know, with them, you know, kind of a thing. And so to do that, that means I'm always kind of giving, giving, giving. If I don't refill my own cup, this, you know, it doesn't go well, right? So that's the other part of having that discipline to be, okay, I need to not just rest, but recharge. And I think those are two different things that people sometimes don't realize. Um, you know, I have my wife and again, you know, friends who will monitor me and be like, hey, you, you haven't taken, you know, time off in a while. You need, you know, to do that. You, or uh, for me, you know, my morning routine is everything. And just again, you know, sort of filling up my mind and keeping it strong talking about morning routine i think a lot of uh very successful people have uh, a morning and maybe even an, an afternoon or an evening routine what is yours what does your morning routine look like all right so i'll share with you my morning routine but let me just say before i do because i think this is a 
thing that drives me nuts about the gurus, thought leaders, coaches, right. whatever, right. is everyone's like, oh, this is what you got to do. And if right. you look at their stuff, it's like, well, crap. The only way I'm going to be a millionaire is if I take an ice bath and, right. you, you know, do Not all this stuff. Not get on the phone yeah, right, for right. the first yeah, 30 exactly. minutes. And, and it's like, you know, that's you're complete like... nonsense. So I try to tell everybody there's a difference between, you know, strategy and tactics, right? So the strategy is everyone needs a morning routine. The tactic is maybe I journal and that works for me and maybe you don't want to and that's okay. You don't have to journal because I journal. You just you have to figure out what morning routine works for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I've got three kids. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wheels come off real fast, doesn't it, Tulpa? Yeah, absolutely. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that, they're never on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's And I do have to wake up early sometimes to get the head start on the rest of the family. But my morning routine is, is I'll journal. Uh, I will do some kind of workout, whether that's rowing machine or if it's nice outside, I'll go, you know, walk or run. And then um, I meditate. I read either a chapter or for 20 minutes, just depends on, you know, what I'm doing. I'll pray. And then the last thing I do, this is the thing I wish everyone would do, is I write out my intentions for the day. And my intentions are not a to-do list. Instead, it's how am I going to show up? So I actually wrote this morning, my intentions were I'm going to show up with a good energy, confidence, et cetera, to this interview, to this conversation, really be present in the moment and everything. I think a lot of people don't actually decide how am I showing up today? And they're just going through the motions, right? That's they're just so going to the meeting. They're just doing the so networking true. thing, the sales calls, whatever. And there's no intentionality behind it. So for me, before I ever start the day, this is before I check email or social media or you know anything. I'm writing out what kind of husband am I today? What kind of father am I today? What kind of boss am I today? What kind of coach am I today? What kind of friend am I? What kind of neighbor? Like, I'm writing all that out. And I'll tell you, the hard part is most of the time it's redundant. You know, it doesn't change a lot, but I will handwrite it every day. I think there's power. Is that just in a notepad or do you have like a five minute journal or how? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just a notebook. Just a notebook? Okay. How long is that entire routine? Oh, the entire morning routine? If I have enough time, I'll spend two hours doing it. Yeah. Uh, but I also will abbreviate all of it if I don't. <laughs> right. right? If I oversleep or something's starting early in the day, then I'll shift and make those adjustments. But the one thing that never changes is the meditation and the intentions. No matter what, that one, th- those have to stay. Otherwise, I'm just not the same. And I yeah. do this, by the way, on Saturdays, Sundays, even vacations. Like it's, you know, because again, it's I'm better as a husband and father if I do those things. Then it's not even about business. It's really just more life. I think that's so awesome. Does that intentionality and that discipline then translate to your your business day, like productive time? You, do you time block or like what? What oh, is the rest yeah. of that? Yeah, no, I'm real big on uh, whatever you're doing. Like that's the only thing you should be doing. So I have a clock on my desk. I set the little timer. Whether that's a 10-minute block or an hour block, in that time, I'm only doing that one thing. Um, so, yeah, I get really focused on that. My phone lives on Do Not Disturb. You know, I, don't, I have no notifications or anything like that. Um, I had an Apple Watch for like two hours. I'm like, all right, forget this. This is a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I can't like, adjust my settings too, man. It'll, <laughs> yeah, like, it'll put yeah. you in the grave yeah, real yeah. quick. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. 
Um, it's uh, funny since Apple Watches came, a lot of people check their time a lot more than they did. I feel like right, right, when yeah, you're talking sudden, to them, you're like, you know, you just checked that two minutes ago. It's the time right, is not moving that quick. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really the seven. Texts they're really the concerned. Here's the, the this the time on this isn't even right. This is for fashion. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah. So it's it's one of those things though where I'm like, all right, I'm not naturally disciplined. I'm very chaotic. I'm not structured. I'm not scheduled. That's not how my mind works. But it's how I have to be. To hit my goals right so for me uh white space is like the devil in my calendar like i need everything decided and i'll try to give you guys an example um driving here i had already planned out last week what i would listen to in the car on the way here mm. there's a phone call that i'm gonna make when i leave like it's not you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i'm i try to be real intentional and the reason is that then when i'm with my family I'm with my family. I'm not, yep. you know, thinking about work. I'm not thinking about the clients or, you know, anything like that. So when I'm off, I'm like super off. But then when I'm on, that's the thing in front of me. That's what I'm working on. What that's did you listen to? What you sipping on? What you yeah, sipping on yeah, podcast? just on a loop. <laughs> just a loop uh, every episode over and over and over. Uh, usually it's, uh, it's uh, sometimes it's an audio book cause I read a lot mm -hmm. uh, and I'll try to do audio books from time to time, but I still like the physical book, but, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Wayne Dyer, who was a great author. He passed away a couple of years ago. Wayne for many years had a radio show and they've turned that into podcasts. So it's just Wayne answering questions from callers that came in. And again, that's one of my, if I listen to that, I find myself in a better mindset and a more positive mindset. So that's what I do. I really block out everything else in the world. Like I don't pay attention to news or anything that's really going on. Like it's not, if I can't influence or control it, I don't want to be involved in it. So for me, like what I listen to in those times, I try to be, hey, this is what I need to thrive. So that's what I'm going to spend that time doing. That's wow. fascinating. I've, I've tried, or I've been in the process of time blocking and it's not easy. Cause I'm right. I feel like I'm wired like you are where it's not natural to me and having that dedication to do that is, is not an easy task. So does that, I'm assuming that takes time, right? So me getting frustrated three weeks into it should not be a thing. Like it's going to take time it, for that to it, come into play. It's going to take time. You're still going to mess it up. Like you're not going to master it. That's a lie. But the other thing is I plan time for the chaos. So there's times in my day where I'll have a two hour block that's just for being creative. Interesting. Whatever that may be, because I know how my brain is. It's not like I'm a robot. I'm still going to mindlessly scroll social media. I just book it in the day, yeah. like 20 minutes to get mad at everybody on Facebook. Like I'll yeah. put that in my calendar. It doesn't <laughs> take 20 minutes. <laughs> it doesn't take 20 yeah. minutes, but I want to cover everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> Equal opportunity. That's right. Uh, you know, but so I, it, that's for me, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want this robotic life that's so efficient that there's no joy in it or anything, you know? So for me, it's no, like I need, I need that playground time where, yeah, I'm actually going to kind of waste time and I've just blocked it out. And cause I know my brain needs that too. Yeah. And to me, so let me ask you, I mean, cause you, your phone lives on do not disturb. That's mm -hmm. the way that you mentioned that. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. I think we all get the, the concept of setting the interruptions aside and mm -hmm. it's, they're not really interruptions. They're clients that need you, their family asking questions They're Can you pick up the kids from school? There's important stuff in there and we know that, right? So that makes it really difficult to trust that it's not a fire or something we need to tend to right away. So 
Like, do you say once an hour, I'm going to check my phone or what's the practical advice behind like how to manage what's going on in your mind yeah. that, you know, there's not a fire that needs your attention right away. Great question. Uh, depending on the day I may have two times scheduled to check and I may have 10 just depends on what the day is, how busy it is. But yeah, I've had those times in there. My wife, it's set up, you know, she can still get through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I try to tell her like only if it actually you know, is there needed. is a fire. Yeah. 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 You so know, to carry of, your pigeon if it's really needed. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I've told her before because we both work from home and I'll be like on calls or a webinar or Zoom or something and she'll be like, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to bother you or anything. So I'm like, yeah, like even if like someone dies, they're still going to be dead when my <laughs> call's done. So just wait, you know, until like, <laughs> so unless the house is on fire, otherwise, like nothing, you know, don't, don't bother me. Um, yeah, so I mean, because we are going to check those things, I just schedule the time for it. And I think with clients, all my clients are super cool and it's a great relationship. If you set clear expectations, you, you know, they'll they'll fall into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if a client messages me on, well, no client texts me, but if a client messages me on, say, a Saturday, they know that I'm not getting back to them that weekend. They just have sent it so that it's there. They don't have the expectation. So that takes the pressure off me I don't feel like I need to go in and see what that is or respond to it. I've done this 15 years. I've had one client have a legitimate emergency that needed to be addressed that day. So I think we, I think we all need to hear those kinds of things because we, we all know our clients are important. Our family's important. We think we're important, but really like if people have the expectations, life still goes on. If you can't answer a text for a couple right. hours and you're more productive because of it. So I just think we can't hear that enough. Yeah. yeah, good point. I, I'd heard uh, Andrew Carnegie had um, become so successful in such a short period of time that the government investigated him because they thought he had to be doing something illegal. And what they found was that everything was top notch above board. And they didn't understand how he did it. And they were like, well, how did you do this? How did you acquire all this wealth in such a short time? And his response was that he can focus on one thing for five minutes at a time and everyone else can only focus on one thing for a few seconds at a time. And so for me, I've always thought, okay, if I could even do 60 seconds, I'm ahead of most. Mm. So that's always been my goal to be intentional with how I show up and my time, just 60 seconds at a time. That's so true. I heard, uh, somewhere that 5% of the population can multitask and 95% of the population think they can multitask. (laughs) Right. So nobody really can multitask. We just think we can. Right. And it's just a very unsuccessful way to do business. Uh, So that's really good advice. Shifting gears going back to when you wrote your book and after Starbucks. So what year did you write your book and, and when did that get released? 2011 was when I wrote the book. I wrote the book in 11 days. Not 11 days, 11 days. Not it's a I long book. I know 62,000 words. Uh, I'll never forget. So I got the book deal in January and they gave me six months to write it. I spent six months bragging to everyone that I had a book deal and not writing a single word. And then uh, I'll never forget this. The manuscript was due on May 4th. On May 4th, it was my wife and I's wedding anniversary and our daughter was born. So I called the editor from the hospital. I'm like, I got good news and bad news. Like the good news is we just had a baby and everything's awesome. The bad news is I don't have the book done. She was like, I'll give you another two weeks. So I came home and I slept four hours and then stayed awake the rest of the time writing. And then I'd sleep four hours again. But I had taught all this stuff for years. So it wasn't, I didn't have to research. I didn't have to think of it. 
I just had to. So you had a newborn and wrote a best-selling book in 11 days. Well, I should clarify. My wife had a newborn. I was not. (laughs) (laughs) I was not any help. She's let me know that was the closest we've ever come to, you know, really things going bad. Uh, Because we also had a two-year-old at home. So it was all her for that first two weeks. And yeah, it wasn't was not a pleasant time, I'm sure, for her. Uh, but for me, yeah, it was it was well, reading your book. I really appreciate it because you don't read a lot of, uh, you know, books like in marketing or business or self-help that are humorous like your book is. And we were talking about that before. Um, but I would really like to know why you focused more on brand. And not marketing. So, why is the brand important in your book? Because that's what you really hone in on. What I realized even before the book was every single business owner is trying to market their product or their services. And with that, all they're trying to do is they get caught up on, you know, what's the new tool? What website should I be on? Should I run this ad? What's the headline? What's the copy? What's the call to action? Like there's all these things and all that plays a role and it has its part. But ultimately how someone feels about you is really gonna determine whether or not they do business with you. And so what I realized was that everyone does this like vibe check. Do I vibe with this person? So it's the old cliche of we do business with people we know, like, and trust. What I realized is that in marketing, only focus, people only focus on getting known. Does everyone know who I am? Not whether or not they like me and not whether or not they trust me. But in business, what you have to understand is that trust is only, like your sales are only in proportion to the amount of trust you have. So if you're trying to sell something for $100, you need more than $100 worth of trust with that person. If you're trying to sell something for $10,000, you need you know that much more trust. And nobody was focusing on that, but the big brands were. And so I felt like the small business owner or the solo entrepreneur, which is what I am, I thought they're at a huge disadvantage from the start because they're just chasing marketing, all these tactics you know, over and over. And none of that's how you build a business. None of that's what actually, you know, works. And the flip side is I looked at it and thought, why do we, in entertainment, we get it. And in business, we don't. We all understand that Oprah is not struggling for opportunities. We know that The Rock is not looking for what movie he should do next. You, you know, they're calling him. So we understand that in all these other areas, the biggest brand wins. But then all of a sudden in business, we're like, oh, well, should I run this Facebook ad or should I you know, advertise on uh, this, you know, baseball team's, you know, t-shirts. And it's like, well, let's go back and ask a better question. You know, how do we get, what's the brand? What are we building? How, what's people's connection to it? Yeah, that trust factor. I really like that, that people have to trust you to really want. And I feel like we do a really good job of that, everybody up here, that we were building that personal brand of trust first and then sales later. I was talking to you about coming here and not knowing anybody. Right. You know, except for the daycare director and our real estate agent, and that was it. And I had to build this business uh, just off trust because nobody knew me or the company. So is that something you deal with, like with all your clients? That's primarily how you get your foot in the door with meeting new clients, building that trust, and that's what you coach them on. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, I think any business out there that wants more money, right, which like most of them do, they want to make more money. The problem is you can look at every single one out there, and and this is like the universal message I wish everyone understood right now, 
in business today and what's going to be the case for our future is relevancy wins. If you are more relevant than everyone else, you will have more trust. So what that looks like is if Eric puts out content that's more relevant to a home buyer or seller than the other agents, they're going to trust him more. But most people are putting out marketing messages or content and they think, oh, it's good stuff. Well, it may be good, but is it relevant? You know, if I'm driving down the road and my truck is working fine, then a billboard for an auto mechanic is completely irrelevant. So it's noise. And not only do I not even pay attention to it, I may be you know, annoyed by it. If my tire flies off and all of a sudden I'm broken down and I look up at that billboard and they can fix it, they now just became super relevant to, to me. And so the thing is that every single business owner should understand is how do I be more relevant today? And the only way I think you really do that is you got to get to know your people. You got to actually talk to them and find out, you know, what's relevant and what isn't. And I'll even like, I'll let you go all in on a secret. Like when this is done, walking back to my car, I'll make notes on the things I said that really stood out to you because it lets me know that that's relevant. So now I'm going to go and create more content about those things because maybe it's a blind spot I was missing that I thought, oh, people are more interested in that than I gave it credit for, right? So to me, it's like the way you change everything, no matter what industry you're in, how do I be more relevant than everybody else? That's yeah. awesome. That's incredible. So, I mean, is, I, I know you've got your Achiever brand. Does that play into kind of what we're talking about now? or, or uh, what are you A doing little with that? bit. So my company name is Achiever, but the brand is still John Michael Morgan. Okay. I, I named it Achiever because we have different programs. So we have like Achiever Tribe, Achiever Mastery, Achiever Live. So it was more just to organize what the offers were by giving them a title than me trying to build that brand. Because at the end of the day, if someone sees me speak at an event, if they watch this, they don't then go and type in Achiever. They type in John Michael Morgan. And that's the thing that nobody understands, right? Like, so it, if you understand that, you get get at this advantage of they're still just going to connect to me. And that's like, even like with social media, it used to be back when people were still really using Facebook, every business owner was like, well, John, should I have a fan page or just my profile? And it's like, you can have the fan page all you want. They're still going to go to your profile first because they want to actually feel connected to you. Yeah, and so it's just a different thing. So yeah, I have the Achiever as like the name of the company. Okay. But honestly, I'm not like I don't put anything into trying to build that brand per se. Gotcha. I, I think those questions are so relevant to everybody, and especially when you're trying to get something off the ground. Right. It's just the simple logistical nightmare of how do I organize my social media? I yeah. Mean, I, I think every all of us have probably had that question. I mean, bounced through our head. Yeah. So and, and it, it brings up something which real quick, I'll just say, yeah. I think every single business owner or entrepreneur, we have forfeited the right to use social media the way everyone else does. So whenever I'm talking to a business owner and they're like, Well, I just want my Instagram to be the kids and I'm like, Okay, but your clients don't care. Like they're gonna come find you regardless. So yeah, you can't you know what I mean? You can't do that and you can't go on your political rant unless somehow that's your brand. Otherwise, it's not what they're there for. And so I, I think a lot of times people don't understand that. And they're like, oh, well, should I have you know, two different Instagram accounts? I'm like, why? why? You, you, you don't create enough content for one, first of all. You're not going to do it for two. <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, and that's when, again, people are like, well, I don't want to post this about my grandmother's you know, apple pie. That feels weird. I'm like, well, then don't. 
because you're trying to make money and social media is nothing but a tool. Like I wouldn't use it at all if it wasn't something that made me money. <laughs> yeah. So it's, again, it comes back to being relevant and knowing that they're going to connect with you. And so much practical wisdom in there and just everything you've been saying for the last 20, 30 minutes, however long we've been going on this, but I feel like we could go on forever. What else stands out to you as you get new coaching clients or um, kind of as you're getting some of that validation, the feedback that you mentioned, you write down, what are some of the more, you know, the hot topics right now that you feel like people early on in their business are trying to in like that growth stage? What is it that you find yourself helping people with the most right now? And maybe some practical advice for people listening. You know, I think a lot uh, are just full of doubt, self-doubt, fear, um, afraid of making the wrong decision. You know, when everybody that's ever been successful has made the wrong decision numerous times, they've just kept going. Uh, so I think a lot of it is you've got to figure out confidence. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to win. You know, confidence and enthusiasm scientifically are contagious. So that's, you know, when you walk in a room, scientifically, people feel your energy positively or negatively, right? And it sounds kind of weird, but like, it's, you know, that's what the science tells us. So that's the thing that I tell everyone is like, I don't care what you're selling. I don't care what you're doing. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And you can't even ask them to. So that's the thing, no matter what they're doing, no matter if they're brand new or whatever, it's like, listen, don't ask yourself, do I need Facebook or Instagram? Don't ask yourself what your LinkedIn profile should say. Don't worry about any of that until you have figured out how do I regularly and consistently increase my confidence? That's awesome. And I don't think that even goes for an entrepreneur or a salesperson, right? You can have somebody that just has, I don't know, say a job, I don't know, where they're not uh, people facing per se, but they're in an environment around a team. Right. Like there's still that confidence there that's going to yeah. help you succeed in that specific role. Exactly. And I think, you know, you want a practical, how do you build that confidence? So the simplest elementary way to build confidence is to do what you say you're going to do. And the way to start that is start with the things that mean nothing, that don't even matter. So literally, I, this is how I built my confidence. I would say, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then I went to the bathroom. And I would say, I'm going to eat lunch. And I would eat lunch. And I will tell myself, I'm going to thank Brian. And so I'll thank Brian. Like I do all these little things that seemingly don't matter. And what's happening is I'm programming my brain to go, this guy does what he says he's going to do. So now when I say, oh, I'm going to go make $10 million, my brain goes, all right, well, giddy up, let's go, because you do what you say you're going to do. And so that's the thing. is like you start on these things that internally don't even matter at all, and you keep doing it, and then it becomes a muscle, and it gets stronger and stronger. Because this is what happens. If someone says, oh, I'm going to go out and start my own business, and then their mind is going, no, you're not. You're going to fail. Everyone's going to laugh at you. What makes you think you can do that? Because their mind hasn't been programmed to be, oh, yeah, you do what you say you're going to do. So if you do all these little things and you program it that way, now when you say, I'm going to make $200,000 this year, your mind says, all right, I could see that. That's awesome. That is the practical stuff. So um, are you at a stage in your business where are you accepting new clients? And if so, kind of what, what is that ideal client? If someone were interested in reaching out to you or what's, what's that look like? Yeah, right we, we almost always take on new clients, um, although I don't always have spots open. So sure. if someone's ever interested, they need to contact me because it, it goes quick. That's a very blessed thing that you know, we have. Uh, the last time I had a client opening, we filled the spot in 22 minutes. 
because we had people, you know, waiting. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, but we have different programs for people. Um, what an ideal client looks like is honestly anyone who knows what they want to do. I'm not good at helping people discover their passion. So when people come to me and they say, what do I, you know, I want to do something. How do I figure out what I'm made to do? I don't know. Pray about it. <laughs> I, I have no clue. That's the big guy. I'm not that guy. If you want to know how to make money doing the thing, call me. If you need to know what the thing is, your life purpose, I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Hey, real quick, what was some struggles that you had early on in starting your own business? Uh, not trusting my own ideas. You know, I got real caught up on being such a great student, reading the books, listening to the podcast, you know, having coaches and mentors to the point that I'm like, well, what, what do I even think anymore? <laughs> what are my own ideas? You get to the point where you're afraid to try things. So I made, I wasted a lot of time being afraid of, oh, what if this doesn't work instead of just doing it and then figuring it out later? easy to fall in love with just listening to podcasts and preparing to take right. the action yeah. and never right i was a professional student for a while <laughs> it was like you know yeah. the, you know the office looked impressive with all the books but the bank account didn't and it was like <laughs> i gotta change something here yeah, i think that's the same thing we struggle with we talked about this for a while and then finally got it off the ground so uh that you're absolutely right it's putting things to action and being that professional student and then but actually telling your mind okay this is my mindset yeah let's move it forward Start by telling yourself you're going to go to the bathroom. That's, it's yeah. all downhill from there. That was a lot of coffee. I love, so I uh, after all of that, that, that's the only thing you heard. <laughs> your only takeaway. <laughs> Write that down on your way to your car. Talk more <laughs> about going right. to the bathroom. <laughs> so what? Uh, we obviously talked a lot about business. What do you do in your free time? Like when you check out of that, like what, what's your, uh, like your weekends look like, I guess? So my weekends are, are hardcore family time. Um, you know, I've got two kids, so I try to spend as much time with them as possible. We love to go on adventures. Uh, we love watching movies. My son makes his own animated movies. So a lot of times I'm helping him with that. Uh, but it's just all family. Just whatever we can do is that. I rest really well. So it's like, you know, I unplug everything. And then it's basically uh, whatever the wife and kids want to do. I'm like, yeah, let's go, you know, get into something. That's awesome. Well, super cool. Well, we're going to uh, wrap this up with a couple of speed questions. Is that cool? Yep. All right, here we go. Where is your happy place? Disney World. Yeah. yeah, for we, work we, or for pleasure, <laughs> for pleasure. But we we go two or three times a year, uh, and I have since I was a kid. So it's that's my place. That's awesome. Uh, what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? Uh, trying to figure out how to do what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, who is the uh, your hero or person you look up to the most? Uh, my future self. Most impactful book can't be your own. Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Awesome. And by the way, what is the title of your book? I don't know if you said that. Brand Against the Machine. Perfect. What would your superpower be if you were to choose one? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, resilience or stubbornness. I don't know how to quit. So I think that's... I just don't know how to stop with anything. <laughs> so just <laughs> if I start doing something, I'm going to do it until I finally figure it out. Awesome. Super cool. Well, that's it. We appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Um, for all you out there, um, check out his social media um, and buy his book. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.